You heard right, ladies and gentlemen. Game Face Radio Alpha. Why Alpha, would you ask? Well, it's quite simple. Alpha is what you get when Croy Kaze brings on a guest, and Gaiden is what you get when Sino Zeta brings on his guest. So, this is the first Alpha and probably part of a series. I am here, to, as always, your host, Croy Kaze, and today I have my special guest host, fresh from PAX, which is the Penny Arcade Expo, No Doze. <laughs> no Doze has, uh, has just got gotten done attending his uh, three-day stint That's right. up there in the, uh, the PAX warehouse, and he is going to drop all the, the hot news from the perspective of someone that doesn't get paid to play and write about video games for a living. But if anybody out there is listening that would like to pay me to write about video games for a living, I will do that shit right now. I will sell my car. I will move wherever the fuck you want me to move. That's right. I can say fuck people. Fuck, 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 fuck. And I will write about video games all day. I will Yeah, get get in line. Get in line. Hey, that's why that's why people do this shit. That's why I'm on your show now. That's why Hopefully <laughs> try to get a, a slice of the fame and the glory of podcasting. Because, I mean, I'm on my third or fourth solid gold Cadillac thanks to Game Face Radio. Yep, I mean, so, I'm, just, uh, I'm just trying to get a Pinto right now. <laughs> Whatever. I've seen your car. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, Nodos is a recent relocator to the Seattle area, so this was his first PAX. So we won't really be able to say much about how last year's was or anything. I was told last year's was pretty good, and Subway and the convention center got completely owned both last year and this year. Apparently they don't realize that if you put 6,000 people in one convention center that you need stuff like bread constantly because they had to shut down for three hours last year to bake bread. And, well, uh, having been a uh, former Subway employee, I can tell you that bread, it takes like four to six hours to make. Like, you can't crap out bread on a heartbeat. It takes too long to make it. It couldn't air Subways are not. <laughs> yeah, they kind of went for other stores and started grabbing their supply. But yeah, Subway does not have any way to deal with a huge rush. They're not like McDonald's where it's all ready to rock. Uh-oh. It takes too long to make bread. Takes too long to make cookies. So there you go. Some insider info for you. Uh I also do have a picture which I will supply that shows the subway outside the convention center as there were two subways getting owned simultaneously <laughs> and the line for the one outside the convention center damn near went around the block. Hungry nerds totally weaving a symphony of destruction upon minimum wage employees at Subway. And if only they knew they could walk two blocks down and get Johnny Rockets. I'm not a big fan of Johnny Rockets. Uh, okay. Johnny Rockets makes uh, decent, greasy-ass burgers, but they are overpriced. But uh, the whole place smelled like Subway. Literally, I wanted to barf from smelling Subway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's enough about the culinary finery of PAX. I guess people are, you know, wanting to hear. So what's it like? I mean... 
you know, they got what ten, twenty, thirty thousand people attending, however many. Uh, you get there, and I assume you get there pretty early on day one. Is that right? Yeah, I got there. Uh, I got there around six forty something, six fifty. Uh, the official line started at eight, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to walk to Pax because I live about a mile and a half away. Um, so I showed up. There were maybe forty something people in line, and they let us in uh, at eight o'clock to wait in the official Pax line which uh took place in like one of the big halls and the next five hours were spent sitting on my ass on hard concrete uh whilst waiting for the the band the 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 wristbands to be handed out to get into the concerts which i didn't see um and waiting for everybody to fill the hall but the cool thing is, is everybody who goes to PAX is a fan of games. Uh, they're there for one purpose, which is to play games, whether they be tabletop games or video games, and to listen to people in game journalism, you know, talk about their jobs. Uh, there's a bunch of panels out there, like uh, the last one I attended was on sex and violence in video games with Guy Kroll and John Davidson and uh the woman who wrote the book grand theft childhood um also there's panels about you know how to get into game journalism game podcasting how to not want to kill yourself while you're working for a developer and they're forcing you to work 80 hour weeks um i see so you know like before you could even get in what what was your total line weight would you say See, 640 there. What's the first time the floodgates opened? The floodgates did not officially open until 2 o'clock. So I 2 p.m. 2 p.m., that's right. Holy shit, that's uh, six hours in line on day one. Yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people wonder this. Does PAX close? Yes, uh, the... The exhibit hall closes uh, at 6 o'clock on Friday and on uh, Sunday, and it stayed open until 7 on Saturday. Um, but there were also other panels and things that you could go to that lasted beyond that. Uh, like, for instance, um, Harmonix had Rock Band, uh, Rock Band 2 playable in one of the theaters from uh midnight until 3 a.m on friday and one till three on saturday uh pretty much you know there's people gaming in hotel rooms and stuff i mean a lot of people just went there to play D D. so you got yeah do they do they kind of have like and i'm i'm gonna talk from an anime con guy point of view do they have like kind of like the side rooms like the the business meeting room stuff where there's just like, you know, maybe 30, 40 people can fit in there, maybe 70 people at the most. Do they have, like, small rooms like that with things going on in it at all? Uh, yeah, they did. Um, across the street from the convention center was the Pike Place uh, Annex, and that was specifically for tabletop gaming. You had people playing Magic in there, D&D and stuff in there. 
also all scattered uh, around the convention center for tables and stuff with people playing some tabletop stuff. Um, the the panels basically took place either in these big open spaces where they put down chairs and everything or in actual rooms with chairs and uh, projectors for PowerPoint. <laughs> you gotta have PowerPoint. Oh man. So, okay, it's day one. You know, it's it's two something PM. What's what's the first thing that kind of happens? Where where do we go first? Uh first they line us up in a third line. You have the line before the line, the line and the line in front of the convention center where they hold you ransom until you make enough noise that they decide to let down the curtain and unleash hell upon these video games. Um, first thing I did was run into the exhibit hall and I wanted to go to BioWare's booth because I was told BioWare had very great swag and they had some tattoo thing for your arm and I was rather disappointed in that. But I looked to my right and I saw the Sony booth and I saw Resistance 2 playable. So the first game I did play at PAX was Resistance 2. Um, I later found out that this build was actually four months old. Uh, one of the one-uppers was, uh, basically explaining to me that, uh, that Insomniac just really wanted to be here, really wanted to give people something to play. So the build that I played, uh, was a little buggy, uh, it crashed a couple times, uh, disconnected, but still, Resistance 2 is gonna be a very good game for PS3. Um, I've been playing Resistance 1 uh, for the past week just to familiarize myself with the story and everything because I did not get PS3 on launch day. Um, and Who can blame you, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you should never buy a system at launch anyway. I mean, all the games just look like high-res versions of last-gen technology, um, which is basically what Saints Row 2 looks like, but I'll get into that later. And... Um, it's, it's a big waste of money to do that. But anyways, Resistance 2, um, looks phenomenal, looks way better than Resistance 1 did. And it's, it plays very well, very smoothly. Um, I just wish I had a better build to play. After that, I played an awesome game. A game that would probably have been my game of the show, if not for another awesome game in a string of awesome games that were available to play here. And that game is Left 4 Dead from Valve. I waited in line uh, about an hour to play this game. And Ooh, brutal. Yeah, well, you should have seen the Fallout 3 line, or better yet, the Rockman 2 line. <laughs> yeah, they should have called it the Waiting in Line Expo from what it sounds like. Yeah, pretty much all you do at PAX is wait in line, and then you have five minutes of happiness. In some circumstances, you have 20 minutes of happiness, and then you have another two-hour wait for something else. So it doesn't sound like something you would want to do alone. Like, you want to go and group of your buddies, you can all, like, screw around and line together. Well, yes and no. I mean... I went alone and I had a great time in line because, like I said earlier, everybody who is at this thing is just as crazy about games as you are, if not crazier, and you can strike up a conversation with anybody about games that you play, games that you want to play, 
you know, the the guys in, uh, who were in line with me at at uh, Left for Dead, you know, we were talking about Metal Gear. <laughs> we talked about uh, the previous Metal Gears. Um, we talked about uh, PC gaming versus 360 gaming because they only showed the 360 version of Left for Dead um, and had that playable. So the guy in front of me was a PC exclusive gamer and he just wanted to play it on PC but he was like hey I know how to work a 360 controller and if that's what they want to show me that's what uh, that's what I'll play it on get into the game it is very 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 intense it is also going to have dedicated servers from Microsoft which Sean Elliott broke on Friday because he actually went to Valve to play the game and that is very very important because it is a game that you have to play with other people there is no way around it you have to have live people on your team playing this game with you for you get the full effect of it Valve demoed it with four people at a time all co-op everybody watching everybody's back because in this game if you break away from your crew, all right. Well, slow down, slow down. Like, let's let's approach. It. Okay, right, it's for, called Left for Dead. For those who right. don't know, what's the setup? <laughs> for those who don't know, um, right. It is a four-player co-op game. Um, if you play it single-player, you will have three computer-generated AIs that are on your team with you, and you are basically in the zombie takeover. Zombies are running around killing everybody. There are different types of zombies. Some of them can spit at you, some of them explode, some of them grab you, and then you just have your general undead zombie walker that is coming to <laughs> Your generic you. zombie. Generic zombie. <laughs> I want brains. Brains of the time. Brain. Um... But the cool thing is they aren't like Night of the Living Dead zombies. They're 28 Days Later zombies. They don't give a fuck. They run. They eat. They consume. They kill. They hurt. They are badass. And they come at you from every direction. Uh, you can play this game 10 times in a row and the same thing will never happen to you twice. Um, really? So it's all like procedurally generated combat as opposed to like pre-generated checkpoints exactly there are no monster closets in left for dead um you walk down the street zombies will either jump out at you from an alley or they won't you never know where the attack is going to happen so you'll have one person kind of just walk in straight ahead looking straight ahead You'll kind of be angled to where you can still sort of see where he's at, but you're looking to the left because you don't know if the zombies are going to come to the left. Meanwhile, your boy uh, to the right of you is doing the same thing, looking at the first person in the corner of the screen, but looking off to the right because the zombies might come from that direction. And the other guy is looking behind everybody because he wants to make sure that if there's zombies coming from behind you guys, that you know they'll be able to get the first shots off so that everybody can protect everybody. So it sounds like this game is like really teamwork necessity. It is. <laughs> so, I mean, people on live are jerks. So this is probably not going to be a good game for random people. Well, the thing is, if you play this game on live and you separate from your team, you die. The only way that you can possibly win and get the kill counts and streaks and achievements that you want to get 
is to work together as a team. Um, for instance, when we played the game uh, for my demo, I was running around on the rooftop. We were all running around on the rooftop and uh, just getting used to the game and the controls. And then I stood on top of this big glass window and I was like, oh, I wonder what happens if I shoot this glass. The glass broke. I fell through the window onto this bed in a room downstairs on top of the building that we were in. And it was just swarming with zombies. And I'm like, oh shit. Pull out the machine gun. Killing everything I can possibly kill. Just getting my ass handed to me. And then my team was like, oh shit. He fell through the window. So they all came down from the stairs and basically got all the zombies off of me. And it was like... Yeah, fell through. <laughs> like, did they not know that you just epic failed shooting at your feet? <laughs> well, I was trying to make sure that the game could actually do what I thought it should do in that moment. And it did it too fucking well. <laughs> <laughs> so, the zombies, do they have weapons or anything? Or are they just pretty much clawing and biting? Uh, they are clawing and biting. Uh, they can spit at you and, like, some crazy jello-y looking goo will get on your screen making it very hard for you to see and making it also very hard for you to attack um they can also uh there's like some suicide zombie thing i don't know that explodes and does a shitload of damage um they can they can grab your teammate and sort of hold them down, um, and you have to go save one of your teammates by meleeing the zombie off of them, or you can try to shoot the zombie off of them, but then you risk, you know, shooting your teammate as well. And it does do damage when you take friendly fire, um, which is, <laughs> which adds another level to the gameplay because the whole time, you know, you're trying to protect people who are on your team, but there's 30 zombies in front of this one guy and you just gotta try to kill as many of those little fuckers as you can and like I said 28 later, 28 days later zombies are some evil motherfuckers well you know I, I think I've went into this on Game Face Radio before but if not I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a quick chance at I don't like really any video games that feature zombies um, you know I don't like Resident Evil I don't like I don't know I don't like zombies because Basically, they're like an AI programmer's lazy way out. Because zombies aren't expected to do anything procedurally. Like, they spawn, they run at full speed, like, as soon as you're in their range, and they, like, do damage repeatedly, you know? Or even if they have projectiles, it's like, they just run up at you, use projectile attack over and over again until you mow them down. Because that's how zombies act. They don't think, they just do. And... Like, I want game design to go more in the way of, I guess the best example is probably Fear's bad guys. Like, you get into a firefight with, like, a regular nobody soldier in Fear, and, you know, he, like, backflips out of the way, hides behind a console, like, you hide behind a console, you sneak out to go see where he's at, he's not there, he's gone, and then you get up and look all around for where he's at, and it turns out he snuck one room over, and now he's sniping you from, like, behind a desk. Like, he procedurally, on the fly, kind of tries to outsmart and frustrate you. You know, he doesn't just sit there behind the cover while you run up on him and clunk him in the head. And, I mean, I want game design to go more that way, and less, like, hordes and hordes of, you know, non-thinking melee enemies, like... 
I mean, that's that's why I will probably not play Left 4 Dead at all, just because I don't dig, you know, unintelligent enemy types. Well, maybe if the zombies eat enough people's brains, they'll get smarter. Yeah, <laughs> like some some thoughtful zombies. I mean, yeah, they'll fucking start sending each other Hallmark cards and shit. I don't know. <laughs> zombies with a sidekick, zombies with text messaging and high speed internet. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so you wait like an hour, right? You said for Left for Dead. Just about. Okay, and you got to play for about how long? Um, that lasted. It actually lasted uh, about 15 minutes or so. Um, Valve was really cool in that they let you either play until you die or play until you finish the level. Um, it wasn't it wasn't something where it was like, okay, time's up, get off the machines. Not to mention the fact that when we first sat down to play the game, the entire 360 thing crashed on our side and they could not get it up and took like 15 minutes before them to finally say okay we're gonna move you guys to another set um so they made sure we got what we needed um and it, it was it was a great demo uh it it's it's something that i think everybody should give a chance you know if you don't want to buy it right away at least rent it and just get on live and play the damn game because it's it's definitely worth it and like i said it's it's my runner-up for game of the show <laughs> Have you heard anything about a possible demo? Um, there were some people saying that they wanted a demo from PAX, but there was no demo there. Um, I haven't heard anything. Uh, none of the Valve people mentioned anything about a demo. Um, I hope there is one, because the game sort of does need a demo. Um, like you said, you don't want to kill mindless attackers, even though... It is very good and very, very, very intense. It's it's a good game. I'm I'm definitely buying it on day one. Alright, so Left For Dead, big impression. Alright, so you leave your, your Left For Dead demo now. If I'm doing this math right, you got in at two o'clock. Yep. And you waited you got it to resistance, which probably took what, half an hour? I didn't play Resistance that long. Uh, probably about ten minutes. I it was right. And when there they, was no line at all. Yeah. Well, I was in the front of the line when they let us into the expo, so there was absolutely no line when I hopped on to Resistance. Okay. So we had ten minutes of Resistance. Let's say you walked over to Left for Dead. It's about two fifteen. It's three fifteen as you waited an hour. You got the. Uh, you had fifteen minutes of waiting for the Xbox, and then fifteen minutes of play. So it puts us at like about. 3:45 and you said it doors close at 6. That's right. So you don't have a lot you don't have a lot of time here left in the day. So what do you spend the rest of your day with? Uh what I did was I walked around the whole show floor to uh see everything that was there, know where it is, try to plan out my day, try to plan out my Saturday because the show floor stayed open till from 10 to 6. So you, much more time to get games played and to to get stuff written up about games and everything um and after that i went and i waited in another gigantically stupidly long line for the keynote with ken levine speaking and 
Ken Levine is a funny guy, and you have to tell people who Ken Levine Ken is. Ken Levine, ladies and gentlemen, the the creator of the brilliant game Bioshock. Hopefully, everybody played that game or at least played the demo and spent some time in that crazy world of Rapture. Um, but what he was talking about, which is something that is truly, truly something that is. PAX and what PAX is all about is the fact that, you know, when he was growing up, he used to read comic books and he sort of thought, you know, he was not the the person, the, the mainstream person. He was not like the rest of his friends. He wasn't one of the cool kids or anything like that. And he basically came from that um, to being one of the one of the most creative developers or one of the most people who had the most creative vision for a video game that I've seen in a while. I mean, the story for Bioshock uh, was pretty damn good as far as video game stories go. And the world that he created was fucking bonkers, off the wall, crazy. Um, and if you ever listen to any of those diary tracks in the game, you're like, holy fucking shit, I can't believe somebody wrote this. Um, anyways, he basically told a story of how he went from thinking that, you know, these, these geeky little things were bad and found out that, hey, there's a lot of people out there just like me and I'm in this, I, I want to get into this industry and I want to make games and I want to make cool geeky stuff that I know people will appreciate because, you know, we're, we're out here, we're here together. And that is, that's what PAX is so, all about. So it was kind of like his message of brotherhood to the uh, the nerdliest of us all. That is right. Okay, and he had so... this great slide where he showed his sexual progression as he wanted to fuck the Scarlet Witch, as he put it when he was growing up as a kid. But... <laughs> <laughs> But then he got the comic book Logan's Run, who was drawn by the same guy who drew the Scarlet Witch, and he wanted to fuck, uh, I forget what the, what that character's name is in Logan's Run. And then he saw the Logan's Run movie and had that character in there played by, I forget what actress, because that shit is from way before my time, and wanted to fuck her. So he went from comic book to finally wanting to fuck a actual live girl. <laughs> <laughs> goal <laughs> I don't know what to say to that at all that's such a bizarre presentation oh man I mean we all know that that one guy that we know that is like you know is into the non-real chicks but to hear it presented in a graph form oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm sure it was quite a trip so how long did the uh, the keynote go on then uh, the keynote was actually pretty quick. It was, he only talked for about 30 minutes. The line to get into the keynote to assure yourself of a seat took about an hour and a half. <laughs> Ugh, man. So, yes, my PAX day one, I would say 80% of it was spent waiting in line. Okay, so you leave the keynote. It's now getting probably pretty close to the end of things. Oh, it was the, the day. end of things. <laughs> okay, so... You've spent your last two hours involved in line waiting and keynote. So that puts you at, I believe, like 5.45 or 6 p.m. Yes, yes. Exhibit hall closes. 
What's what's your next move? Um, what I did was I went home and I got something to eat and I slept for a little bit. Um, I guess I could have went and played some PC games or they had a bunch of games that you could basically rent for the convention and go to the free play areas and play against other people. I knew I needed sleep at this time, so I got uh, I got something to eat, came home, and got about I don't know three hours of sleep. And then I went back because Harmonix had Rock Band 2 playable um, in the Raven Theater from midnight until 3 a.m. So that's what I did from midnight until 3 a.m. was uh, sit there in the theater and look at Rock Band 2. I got to play it one time, failed miserably on that fucking Foo Fighters song. And I, I'll tell you this right now, I have the animal achievement in fucking Rock Band on 360. I have cleared drums on Expert. Motherfucking Everlong is fucking hard. <laughs> drums, by the way, so, I play drums. Alright, so here's here's a big question for a lot of people. Rock Band 2, do we need more plastic instruments? Well... Yes and no. If you play the drums, I would advise that you at least wait by the game, by the game when it comes out on the 15th, if you have a 360, buy the game by itself, and buy the, either buy the Ion Drum Kit that's coming out, I think, later on this year. I didn't get to see it, it wasn't at PAX. Or buy the new Rock Band 2 drums that are going to come out in October. Because the Rock Band 2 drums are good. They they made a pedal that has reinforced metal on it so it's not going to break. The whole drum set moves as one unit, including the pedal. It doesn't flop down on the floor or anything like that. The only thing that is not actually attached to the unit itself are the two drumsticks. They still have the fucking 360 controller part of it in the middle of it, which... People are still fucking hitting that goddamn thing in the middle of a song and bringing up the Xbox Blade, but other than that... Really? That has never happened to me. Not even one time. It happened to me while I was playing Rock Band 2, and it happened to... <laughs> Everlong is fucking hard, dude. Okay, fucking go... I'm sure there's going to be a video of somebody playing Everlong up on the internet like right now at PAX. Watch that shit. That shit is fucking hard. Like anyway, um, I, 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 and the, the so, pads themselves are like a hundred times better. Uh, right, right. But what? Why do I need it? Is there any need for it, okay. or is it just like it would be fun to have? Okay, if I'll tell you this, if if you are a drummer in rock band and you are at expert level, you should go buy the new rock band drums. If you okay, if you but are that's just a less casual, than one percent. You are a casual <laughs> player of Rock Band. Don't buy the box set. Just buy the game. Just pay your sixty. Okay, so getting the game only isn't going to leave you asked out in any particular fashion. No, because Harmonix is very smart, and they made sure everything is going to work with Rock Band too, including your downloadable content. And if you pay five bucks, they will transfer your Rock Band one stuff into Rock Band two, like the Rock Band one original set list uh is going to be playable in rock band 2 i know this because i was playing rock band 2 and rock band 1 songs were on there and douchebags kept fucking picking them all night well people like to show off things that they know 
Yeah. I mean, uh, even when I was at Anime Iowa, people, they had a rock band room. It was like a stage with like a hundred people in the audience. And there were people up there playing rock band on a big projector. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, I guess that's... All right, but the only person that's really performing anything is the singers. That's true. Like, the singer's the only important part of any live rock band performance because that's the only thing that you can really, like, pass or fail at from real people's perspective. Oh, speaking of pass or fail, Rock Band 2, no fail mode, fucking awesome. If you have friends that come over, you can finally play it with them without fear of them sucking and... Three quarters of the way through the song, the song fails, and they don't want to play anymore because they suck giant monkey balls. <laughs> uh, good to know, I guess. I just don't associate with people that aren't excellent at video games. That's how I get around that. <laughs> Fuck those people, man. Fucking savages. <laughs> you, must, you must be able to get this many achievements <laughs> to, to be able to come to my house and play. You don't have a thousand you achievement are... points. I can't play with you, man. Yeah, you know, you must be this tall to enter. They have to be in good games. You can't fucking play Avatar or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so you you play your Rock Band 2, and, uh, you know, you wait, I guess, forever for it. You get to play it one time. You fail in front of everybody. No, no, no fail was on, And you even hit on, the baby. middle button like a noob. <laughs> no fail was on. <laughs> no fail was on. You made it through the song, which is awesome, because no fail... Right, but everyone knows you failed. In their minds, you're a failure. In their minds, they're like, I could never even think to put that shit on expert. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. You play Rock Band 2. It's, uh, what the, I guess, what time is it at this point? Um, it was... I don't think I actually got to play Rock Band 2 until 115, 120. Woo. Yeah. Um, they didn't announce officially that there was a sign-up sheet until people were pretty much already deep in sign-up. And I was number 13, or I was in group 13, and they made it to, they made it to like group 20, um, and then a bunch of people had left, so a couple people got to play twice. I did not get to play twice because everybody basically at the end of the day took pity on these four guys that came in there that hadn't got to play the game yet and those fuckers got to play <laughs> well you know that's the spirit of giving yeah. i but, guess you yeah. can't hate on yeah, that you know the game comes out in two weeks i'm gonna get it day one so i already know what's in it <laughs> um live... take note people so far that's two games on day one maybe three <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna be a few more <laughs> No, no doze is very much a, a day one whore. Apparently, he is a, uh, a GameStop wet dream come to life. <laughs> Fuck GameStop, dude. Fuck GameStop. <laughs> like, I get my shit from Best Buy. Um, All I right. don't like being told I need to reserve games. Um, but then you can get crappy stuff that takes up space in your house. Yeah. Well, I guess that too. The other thing, GameStop, that I fucking hate is I go there, I pick a game, I take it to the counter. They know they're sold out of the game, so they reach into their drawer and find the game that they removed from said disc and put it back in said disc and still charge me full price for it. If the game is fucking wow. open, give me fucking five bucks off, at least. Seriously. 
this has happened to me just about every time I buy something at GameStop, this happens to me. And I'm like... <laughs> well, let me tell you something. When you work at Babbage's, like, you know, which, you know, eventually became uh, GameStop, like, what they would let us do is you could actually employee check out games, which, like, means you get to take the game, you get to open it, get to play it, and you get to bring it back to the store and put it all back in the package and re-shrink it and put it on the shelf. Yeah. Fuck GameStop. <laughs> not for, well, the, it just not goes, for the employee well, checkout program. That is awesome. But give me five bucks off. Give me three bucks off. <laughs> I'm just saying most people have bought a game that's been opened and they just don't know it. Like, essentially, because of the way licensing works, like, when you buy a game... Like, according to the studios and their EULAs and stuff, like, you don't really own that that disc with the game on it. Like, you don't actually have any ownership. Like, you own your right to play the game or something fucked up. And, like, they're they're trying to stop the used game market and all this other fucked up shit. Like, I'm sorry, but I just, I don't buy into it. Like, if I buy something from you and I want to do whatever I want with it, like, that's how it should be. Like you shouldn't get to retain ownership over shit that I already bought. It's, it's you know? your prerogative, ask Bobby Brown. I shouldn't be able to profit with it. Like I shouldn't be able to sell it as my own. Like like, you know, hey look, I made this game, I'm distributing ten thousand copies of it. Like I shouldn't be able to like generate huge profits from it, but I should be able to get at least my, my paid price back out of it without hassle. Yeah, that's true, but digital distribution is coming. Burnout on PSN is a very big sign of that. Yeah, I hate digital distribution. It's a terrible idea. Whenever they force you to buy something digitally, like there will be problems, and you will be the sufferer as the consumer, and there is no advantage. Like, I guess the only thing is you can be lazy and not have to get up and put a disc in your Xbox or whatever. But that's it. Although, and you don't even really have to do that. They'd let you load the disc up ahead of time and not need the physical media anymore. Then there's no advantage to downloading games at all. I mean, it's just it's a waste, and you're gonna have DRM, and you're gonna have trouble reselling, and you won't be able to get used copies, and it's just gonna be a really anti-consumer market. And I really hope that some like politically active gamers can make it clear that, you know, this is not good for the health of the game industry. There is a chance of like that they, happening. <laughs> I mean, they always whine how, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're getting our profits eaten into by GameStop. They're unscrupulous. They're doing this and that. It's like, well, then don't fucking put your games on GameSpot shelf. Tell them, like, if they don't sell used games for at least $20 off of retail, you, like, won't allow them to carry your, your brand. It's only going to take, like... EA and Valve and a couple other companies to do that to just completely eradicate GameStop's market share. Like, force your hand that way. Don't penalize us, the consumers, because you have business problems. We're not supposed to know about them, you know? You're not supposed to put that shit on us. We're giving you our money. So, you know, if you don't like it that we bought used copies of stuff, then here's an idea. Bring the price down. Oh, but you spent this much time and effort putting money into it? Well, maybe you should not worry so much about that then. Like, I don't mind if your game is, like, a little less, like, super graphics hoary if it means that it's only going to be 40 bucks instead of 60 
You know, I mean, the the money is no object style of gaming is not something that really most people can take any kind of uh, serious practice in. You know, maybe that's good for you day one, no dose. <laughs> but, uh, like, I just bought Rainbow Six One for nine ninety nine. I bought Crackdown for, like, eight ninety nine. I bought Red Steel for 7 bucks. I bought... I think Red Steel was worth 7 bucks. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, it has some of the best incidental FPS dialogue I've ever seen. Plus, you know, I just I want to try an FPS on the Wii. You can't blame me for that. Well, funny Which... you should mention FPS <laughs> on the Wii. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was setting it up. I was going to see if you were going to spike it of, over of the net. Of course, dude. <laughs> Sag motherfucking wait. I'm all there. Because <laughs> day two... Um, which I sort of glossed over the fact that I did go to one of yours live on Friday as well. So add that to your clock of my events for Friday. Um, Shane Bentonhausen mentioned that there was a FPS on the Wii playable at PAX that I missed because who the fuck would walk by Nintendo's booth of Broken Promises? Um <laughs> 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 and, and booth of broken promise. Uh, seriously, nice. if like I'll I'll mention this part here. They had Guitar Hero World Tour, you know, with with uh uh you know drums and guitar and bass guitar and singer, you know, big monitors and stuff that the that they had placed in front of the group like like um speaker speaker monitor monitor speakers. Yeah, can't freaking talk right now and they had the screen in the back for the people who were watching them so they could see you know if everybody was hitting the notes and stuff right incredible setup beautiful setup had five of them out there right across from that was Wii music and people doing fucking air guitar and air flute and looking like complete dumbasses and I'm like what the fuck Nintendo what the fuck but the thing is, that game is gonna sell fucking five million copies anyway. Um, I bet. Um, I bet Wii Music was like the only reason people were playing it was just so that they could review it, <laughs> so they could talk about that, it. That that could be true too, because there were a lot of fake game journalists there <laughs> who are probably doing like I am and just wanting to get their shit out there so that they can possibly one day become a real game journalist. But I I I, I digress. Um, you know, I don't think you want to be a game journalist unless you want your salary cap to be $50,000 a year. <laughs> yeah, that's if I've been a game journalist for a few years, actually. <laughs> yep. Like, I said cap. Yeah. That's like, that's your limits. <laughs> I've been in this for 10 years, dog. 10 young years. Yeah. <laughs> I was in trenches, man. My fucking Mario. My fucking Sonic. My fucking Crash yeah. Bandicoot. What you know about Crash Bandicoot? I was in that shit when motherfuckers was doing that shit Dragon's Lair style. I push left, he jump left. I push right, he jump right. I don't push that shit at the right time. I fucking fall off the stage, dog. What you know about that? <laughs> huh? What's up? <laughs> what you know about that? Yeah, every Real now and then. <laughs> yeah, every now and then I hear these game journalists and like, you know, they're like, they talk about the old school and they like bring up PlayStation 1. And I'm like, PlayStation 1's old school now? <laughs> Damn really? Them. I'm talking motherfucking Star Wars at Showbiz, motherfucking going through wireframe, polygonal 3D shit, 
trying to shoot the motherfucking uh, missiles into the Death Star so that I win. Yeah, when I went to the uh, Game On exhibit in Seattle, which I mentioned on the show previously, they had that original Star Wars cabinet, like the big sit-down one. And I totally got a picture of me blowing up the Death Star. So, it's a little proud moment for me. Come full circle 20 years later. Yeah. So, uh, at the Nintendo booth of Broken Promises, there was this game called The Conduit. And, uh... Shane Bittenhausen had mentioned it looked really good and it was a first person shooter and it could be the savior of the Wii. Um, it's not going to save the Wii. <laughs> not by any means. Um, I hope people buy this game because it, it is pretty good. It is a very effective first person shooter on the Wii. It's, it's, it's sort of like Metroid, uh, Metroid Prime was but I think it's a little bit better actually. One of the things about the game that I really like is it lets you adjust the sensitivity of the Wiimote in game. You basically bring up the menu and you say you want to adjust the sensitivity of it and the whole game engine is running right behind the sensitivity menu. So you are waving the Wiimote back and forth and right there on the screen it's showing the gun going back and forth so you can actually get the setting that you want and know that when you hit OK that it is going to be okay not that shit where you're jumping out of the menu and you're saying alright I'm gonna adjust this five points and I'm gonna adjust that five points and then you jump back into the game and you're like oh fuck um so anyways I played that and it's uh you're some guy that's shooting the aliens <laughs> you're some guy that's shooting your your game journalist career is set. <laughs> well, they for <laughs> the, the the developer that was doing the demo, you know, he didn't really mention too much about story and I was like, I wonder if this game is going to work or not. Um and I did forget to say one thing that the game actually does look as good as Halo three <laughs> on last generation technology. <laughs> That's not too bad then. Yeah, it's um it takes place in the future, so you've got your space aliens and they have alien guns and you can use those and um it's got some weird masonic thing to it like there was some secret uh part that the guy was walking the person in front of me through where there's some pyramid with an eye and some decoder ring that you have <laughs> you flashed wait a minute is this national treasure the video game <laughs> I, I think it might be dude uh, um, I, I, where's Nicolas Cage at I think there was some concept box art of Nicolas Cage and a decoder ring um, Nicolas Cage with aliens everybody <laughs> um, he'd do it he'd do anything I, I wouldn't put it past him uh, still need to see Bangkok Dangerous whenever that shit comes out um, so there's there's something weird going on with that and you have aliens with guns that are shooting at you and you have giant fucking bugs that make little bugs that come at you um, the so like is there any hook to this game that's like this is different this is why you want to play the conduit 
Um, <laughs> the hook is it's a first-person shooter that works on the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, one, That's one too cool much of the condo was, then. Uh, to melee somebody, you shove the Wiimote forward, and to throw a grenade, you flick the nunchuck. That's sort of cool. Um. Yeah, because that's way better than pressing buttons. Who wants to press a button that works? <laughs> I'd rather maybe kind of shove a, a controller and hope it detects yeah. right. Uh, I'll, I'll say um, one more thing I can say about it is. This developer clearly does want to make this game on this system. I was talking to him, and he's like, you know, the Wii is perfect for first-person shooters because you're pointing at what you want to shoot. You're pulling a trigger. You know, it's it's all action that you're doing. Like, when you actually do melee somebody with the Wiimote, you're like, get the fuck off me, and you're jab- jabbing it forward. You know, that's something that you can't do in Halo and something you can't do in Resistance right now. So I'll give that to him. I guess you could do it in resistance with the six axes, but pfft, let's stop that there. Uh, but he, they, they really want to make this game, and it does come across when you're playing it. It is a very good first-person shooter. Will will the story be good and draw well, you in? Very good is maybe being a little kind. It's a competent. It's on the Nintendo console of broken dreams, man. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to use the yeah, word competent. Oh, it is competent. Like it, it, it's <laughs> it's first person it's, and it shoots. Yeah, it's, check. It's and competent. Check. Like not like uh, left. Uh, not like no child left behind. Where competent means you're two great levels behind. Competent meaning <laughs> competent meaning it doesn't suck. <laughs> All right. So you leave the conduit, and then where? What's the next um, stop? After that, <laughs> I went to. Uh, I went to the Midway booth because Midway had Mortal Kombat versus DC playable. <laughs> um, that's oh right, shit, baby! It's combat <laughs> time. Um, they had they actually had a bunch of characters that were playable. Like the whole top row was selectable. You know, you got Scorpion, Sub Zero, uh, Shang Tsung was there. This version actually had Sonya playable. Um, it had Catwoman, Flash, Superman, Batman. Uh, I think I'm forgetting somebody else, but they're all playable. Thing is, I haven't played Mortal Kombat in a long-ass time. I know Backback B, or whatever the fuck. Backback Low Punch. <laughs> Chuck the Spear. Yeah, Backback Low Punch, Scorpion Spear, confirmed. <laughs> Back Low Kick, does a foot sweep with some ninjas, confirmed. Not everybody, though. Um, and Down and High Punch still throws an uppercut. Um... Uh, I played as Catwoman and I played as Superman and they've got other shit that does not work like Mortal Kombat characters. Um, it's kind of slow. It's it's not. It's fucking Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like Soul Calibur where you have strategy and shit like that. It's trying to kill somebody so that you can see your person kill somebody. Um so basically you and the other thing is there's still projectile stuff in this game sub-zero still has this freeze ball in in the 3d video game projectiles are pretty much fucking useless you see them go into the animation you're like oh if i press down i don't get hit with the freeze ball um it it works it i actually had it sounds like i'm being a lot harder on the game than than I really should be, 
But the game is fun. I did have fun playing it. I wouldn't buy it for 60 bucks on day one, but, you know, 30 bucks, I would probably consider getting it. You know, wait till it's a value item. If you really like Mortal Kombat or you really like DC, there's some cool stuff in there that... <laughs> no Dose doesn't buy all games day one, <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> Finally, we found a game that you're not going to buy. <laughs> well, there there are quite a few games that I'm not going to buy day one, and there are even more games I probably won't buy at all. Well, when we get to the end, you'll have to go over your worst game of yeah. the show. Um. <laughs> what won the worst? <laughs> but uh, for right now, okay, so MK vs. DC... Basically, if you haven't enjoyed the last 11 Mortal Kombats that are all 3D, probably don't want to even buy this then, right? Um, You want to rent it, at least. It It is fun. Like, if you had fun with MK2, MK3, you will actually have more fun with this than you will in the past 3D Mortal Kombats. Just because it's fucking ludicrous that you're fighting DC characters. It's fucking ludicrous that when I fought somebody playing Superman, I ripped up his Superman costume. Because, like, costumes also take damage and become more ripped and torn and characters bleed and you can see their blood on the ripped costume and stuff like that at the end of the match or gameplay or whatever. And they stay like that for the entire game. But why the fuck does Superman bleed from me hitting them with the fucking Catwoman whip? Really. <laughs> Catwoman Whip does like plus 5 billion points of damage or something. It's got kryptonite on the end. That's why. Uh, he's... <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, there's there's MK versus DC. It just makes you go, how did Capcom drop the ball on that? I mean, come on, Capcom. Marvel vs. Capcom 2 had to have profited you. Like, it's sold big. It's one of the most, like, sought-after games for the Dreamcast. Because DC is pissed at Capcom for not coming to them earlier. No, come on. They should have totally hooked up with them. The game could have been epic. It could have been really epic. And then it would have opened the door to perhaps someday they could have finally had Marvel vs. DC on a Capcom engine. That would have been pretty amazing. (laughs) But no, now we're stuck with a shitty MK game, so... All right, let's move on. We we leave, you know, mediocre fighting games uh, behind. I went to Namco Bandai's booth after that, which had a very good fighting game uh, playing in there. Perhaps you own it. It's called Soul Calibur. Um, I didn't play it because why would I play something I already own? Uh, they also had Naruto, uh, the, the Naruto game for PS3. It looks like a fucking cartoon when you're playing it. I can't believe they can make games that look this good i already had that demo on my ps3 so i didn't play that because i could review it for you right now they had tales of Vesperia there which i looked at and it looked like you were playing a cartoon because namco pretty much should just make games that look like you're playing cartoons they do that very well <laughs> everything except for soul except Calibur. Calibur. that's right games that look like cartoons and soul Calibur. that's all i want to see out of namco Fuck Ridge Racer, that shit is dead. People do that shit much better now. Well, you know, the cartoon games probably come out more out of the Bandai half of the relationship, and then, you know, Soul Calibur and Tekken come out of the Namco half of things. Oh, yeah, that's right, I forgot. They do make Tekken. Um, 
Probably because <laughs> I fucking Tekken. hate Tekken now. <laughs> um, but the game that I, I, I did play there on Saturday was Afro Samurai, which they had playable. And Afro Samurai, forgive me if you've heard this before, looks like a fucking cartoon. Because, one, it is a fucking cartoon. And it looks like the fucking okay. cartoon. <laughs> Alright, let's 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 keep this real here. This is a video game and anime podcast. You don't have to talk like you don't know what anime is. Alright? It's it looks like anime. It doesn't look like a cartoon. Alright, let's clarify that right it now. It looks like what people in Japan call cartoons. <laughs> no, no, it's animation. Alright, goddammit. <laughs> cartoons automatically the reason I don't like cartoon is because it automatically denotes a certain level of sophistication. You know, when you say cartoon, no one thinks of, like, Miyazaki films, or no one thinks of, like, really epic, high-budget animation. They think of, you know, Tom and Jerry. Like, low-quality American shit. I'm just fucking with you now, dude. I, I call it anime, but I, I, I generally reserve anime for actually talking about anime and not video games. It's. <laughs> you said the Naruto game looks like a cartoon. You fail. You fail. Anyway, um, moving on. Keep it. Afro keep it rolling. Samurai. So Afro it Samurai. Samuel Jackson's voice check. Ron Perlman's voice check. Uh, Lucy, 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 whatever the fuck her name. Or I'm sorry, Kelly. Kelly, whose voice check? Um, it has the art style down 100 percent. Looks like you're watching Afro Samurai. You could probably make a web video of shit that goes on in Afro Samurai. And people would have to look twice to see, oh, is that a game? Oh, that is a game. Um, gameplay is a piece of fucking shit. Somebody's shit on the no. controls. <laughs> no. it, it's... Was it early at least? Was it a beta or something um, maybe? I, it was only the demo. It was only the demo, but I don't see it I don't see it getting that much better. I mean it's it's the camera is worse than the camera in Ninja Gaiden. You walk into an area and you're trying to pull off cool shit and you're failing at it and then you don't even know where the person you're supposed to attack is. Like, literally, I would kill one guy, spin the camera around 360 degrees, like, oh, okay, there's a guy over there, run over to him, try to pull off a combo, and while I'm trying to pull off the combo, it's like XXXX, or you can go XXXX, Y, 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 Y. Those are the combos. And I hit XXX, and Afro just goes right past him, Leaves the guy over to the left or to the right and keeps on going down that linear path, swinging his sword around. Then I gotta fucking turn the camera around 360 degrees again to find out where the fuck the guy I missed is now. Ugh. Yeah, that they. If they can fix it, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> because it looks like you're, you're watching Afro Samurai. If they can fix it, if they can get the combat down, if they can fix the camera, it'll be a great game. But, oh, I was, it, it, it pains me so much to like a game, or to not like a game that looks as good as it does, because that's, that was probably the best looking anime game that they had in the booth, 
even better than Naruto because Naruto looks like, you know, it's the Naruto anime. But if you watched Afro Samurai, you know it's got that crazy style where it's like washed out and, you know, it, it's full of style, oozing style. Like even RZA made the music for the game as well. And it's just fucking unplayable, damn near. Oh, man, that's disheartening. So there you go, you know, GF Army. Don't go buy an Afro Samurai. Next up. Where we um, head from I there? I know you don't like racing games, but I went by Rockstar's booth because they had Need for. Uh, I'm sorry, they had Midnight Club LA playable. Um, it's sort of like Burnout, where you you are in LA. You know, just like Burnout Paradise is, you're in Paradise City, and you just have races between one point to another point in Paradise City. Same thing with Midnight Club. You know, you're racing from point X to point Y. Except in Midnight Club LA, it's more detailed. It's it's still an arcadey racer, but it's less arcadey. The cars are way more detailed. The environments you're in are way more detailed. There's actually pedestrians and stuff on the street. And if you, or not on the street, on the sidewalk. And if you end up running on the sidewalk, they'll try to run and get out of your way. And sometimes you hit them. Sometimes you hit a park bench or a pole or something like that and everything reacts like you were to hit a park bench or a pole except for the fact that the car doesn't crash or shit like that. Um, so everything's made out of styrofoam essentially. Yes and no. The, your vehicles do take damage and they do show damage very well which I don't know why games like this can do that and Gran Turismo still can't but uh, that's the case. Um, they had it networked up where you were racing nine other people, and if you got in the top three, you got a goodie bag with t-shirts and other shit in it. Um, so after I got my goodie bag with my t-shirts, I went to play Need for Speed Undercover, <laughs> and uh, my demo of Need for Speed Undercover lasted 27 seconds. I actually spent more time sitting my ass down in the cabinet that they had in with the Xbox race wheel and putting my stuff down on the ground and getting shit situated and pressing B to get the race restarted to load the demo <laughs> than I actually So why? The game. Like why was it so short? Um with, for those of you who, who don't play Need for Speed uh, or have, haven't played any of the recent Need for Speeds, it's more of a story-based game where um, you're driving to beat this guy to this package drop or something like that, or you just need to hurry up and take this guy down in a drag thing, something like that. So the mission I guess I was playing was I just had to pull away from this car on the highway so it started, I put my foot down on the accelerator, I drove up, I hit the guy on the bumper, spun him out, I kept driving, the game said I win. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Riveting Bad gameplay. Demo. And it's, it's a damn shame <laughs> because, you know, three booths over, you have very, very good networked gameplay coming out of Rockstar with the uh, midnight club where you know it's it's fun to play it's an incentive to do well and then you have a demo that can last 27 seconds the guy who 
uh, sat or the guy who sat me down in that particular uh, demo unit was like, "Wow, you finished that pretty fast. The record's 16 seconds." <laughs> now. 16 seconds. I bet that guy was having exactly. a great time. I'll tell like, you what. You go to a a video game expo, you want to play new games that are not out yet, and you sit down and you play something for 16 seconds. That's your demo. You make it you make it possible for somebody to uh, to complete your demo in 16 seconds. What the fuck? How I bet there wasn't a long line for it. No, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. <laughs> there you go. They get they get the motherfuckers out in 16 seconds. They don't have line problems like the other booths. Yeah, but you know what? They're really fucking fortunate. I do not work for an actual video game uh, magazine or website because I would rip their asses a new one. Fucking 27-second demo. And then I'm looking at the guy like, can I play something else? Nope. That's all we got. Oh wow! All right, so sixteen or twenty seconds later, what what do you do? <laughs> um, I went and I played the Guitar Hero World Tour. Um, it is <laughs> now and and really, Guitar Hero World Tour has a lot to prove yeah. because I mean, in my opinion, they lost the last generation. Tales figures aside, the buzz is all Rock Band. That's all anyone cares about. Guitar Hero, old hat. So much so that Guitar Hero is biting Rock Band styles now. Which, you know, is biting Konami styles. But anyway, <laughs> like, Guitar Hero has got to be really amazing for me to ever even consider. Because my copy of Guitar Hero 3, like, after I, I think, went through the game on hard or something, I don't think I ever played it again. Um, well, like you said, they do know very well that they have a lot to prove because they brought five complete Guitar Hero World Tour units with them and Harmonix just brought one. <laughs> so literally the whole show floor, the line for Rock Band wraps around twice for people in line to play that game. If you want to play Guitar Hero, your wait is approximately 30 minutes on the long side. Your wait for Rock Band was like two hours. <laughs> If you were lucky. Um, I didn't play the guitars uh, or sing because I suck at guitar and I like drums a lot. Uh, I got to play the drum set a bunch of times, especially on Sunday. Um, and I do have to say, I like the drums in Guitar Hero better. They're, they're pretty much the same style as the new Rock Band 2 drums that are coming out with the pads being super springy and everything. The pads are pretty much the same, but the the two symbols, which I'm still sort of getting around, having to read you know, six notes now instead of just five, um, and figuring out or how to not hit the bottom of the symbol when I'm trying to go from hi-hat to cymbal. Um, but the the drums are a lot better on Guitar Hero, um, and also they have a lot of the same songs, you know, on both Guitar Hero World Tour and Rock Band. Like Everlong is on both of them, and I failed Everlong hard on Guitar Hero World Tour as well. Um, 
anyways, the the drum tracks that they have are also different. You know, Everlong on Guitar Hero is not the same as you will play on Rock Band. Even the kicks are different. Um, for instance, there's like three kicks in a row on Guitar Hero, and there's only two kicks on Rock Band. Um, they didn't have the entire set list. They only had about ten songs playable, and Everlong got a lot of plays. Uh, bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Song's fucking awesome. Except when you hear it 20 times. <laughs> uh, that got a lot of plays. The Doors, Hot for Teacher is on there. That was playable. That's fucking hard on drums. Uh, uh, the Modest Miles song is on there. But, you know, it's it's Guitar Hero with drums. Um, I, I still don't know if I want to buy it or not. Even though I like the drums better on Guitar Hero. Uh, Rock Band's still a better game. They pretty much established, you know, what they want to do with downloadable content. And I've been steadily buying every single downloadable thing that they come up with on Rock Band, except for a couple of the albums. Uh, Guitar Hero World Tour has got a lot to make up. I mean, they're going to have 500 playable songs in Rock Band by the time the year is up. You buy Guitar Hero World Tour and... You know, if you're lucky enough, some of your DLC from Guitar Hero 3 will work with it, and you've got 84 tracks. Why would you buy Guitar Hero? Unless you really, really like the drums, or you really, really like Guitar Hero and have been given Rock Band the middle finger for the past year. I, I guess a lot of it's just going to be a lot of brand recognition. Cause, I mean, Guitar Hero has massively sold, so... They're probably just going to be able to cash in on the name and rip people off with DLC some more. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty much. <laughs> All right, so your your opinion, though, like the, the, the hardcore music player should probably still stick with Rock Band. Definitely, if, especially if, you know, there's a lot of good games coming out this year. I mean, this year is like next year. The end of this year is pretty much the exact same as the end of last year where there was just a shit ton of good games to play and this game is going to cost $200 and I can think of a much better way to spend your $200 um, on video games than to buy this game especially if you already have Rock Band alright so what do we what do we hit up next um, Next, uh, I actually want to talk about Mirror's Edge. Uh, I got to play the game, um, waited a good 45 minutes to play it, um, and it was, it was pretty buggy when I saw it, you know, it's, it, it's not done, it comes out in October, I think, um, but the game is pretty fun actually uh if you haven't seen any videos of it or anything online it's basically the parkour game uh like prince of persia but in a first person uh setting the whole game is first person you don't see yourself doing anything cool unless there is a mirror reflecting you so that you see yourself in the mirror which is why it's called mirror's edge i guess um you are a package courier and you run around all day trying to deliver packages to people 
and something has gone wrong in this future universe where the there are people who are trying to stop you in particular from carrying some packages to some people that's pretty much all i know of the story and that's all that the new trailer shows uh that i downloaded on psn uh last week before i saw packs um the game runs really smooth um way smoother than i guess you would think considering the amount of speed and action that is going on uh in the whole game the level that i played was uh we you had to run from this rooftop and then climb onto these different you know objects on top of the rooftop and then you jump on the swing line and swing down you know between the the gap from building to building and you had to run over this pipe that covered a gap between another building and jump off of one building and grab a pipe on the the building that you were jumping to and climb up that thing and go up stairwells and you know all of that you have to do fast and speed is a big factor um and there are several people on several occasions that missed the jump and died or fell off of the pipe or crazy stuff like that and the game gave a lot of people motion sickness in months past so they added a dot in the center of the screen that you know you can basically focus on and not feel like you want to throw chunks while you're playing it which is a good thing because the game is good um, and you, you should at least give it a give it a try give it a rent or something like that um, it's it's a game that's gonna be really hard to be good at you the path that you have to take is very clear basically if something is orange you probably want to do something with that um, you're running on a rooftop and you see like uh, an orange box or something sitting there next to a railing you probably want to run and hit the up button to uh, basically uh, let me back up for a second the controls are on uh, the the trigger and bumper buttons so the left bumper was jump up and the left trigger was slide so you run to a railing and you hit the left bumper to jump over the railing or you could try to slide under the railing if there was space um, so you run and you hit you know up to jump over that because you see an orange object there and you see an orange object to do something you're probably not gonna die when you try to do it but there are other things that other there are other routes that you can take to get to whatever point that you want to get to that do not have a specific landmark saying hey jump over me hey slide under me jump over me so there were people who were experimenting and dying a lot trying to do something and you just have to be really good at the game but it's hard because you never really know where your feet are all the time like I made the jump from building to grab onto the pipe my first time through it one because I saw other people do it and had a feeling for when to hit the jump button but you know if I'm trying to do something new to do a speed run through it it's gonna be kinda difficult it's, you're gonna die a lot of times 
Did good. <laughs> well, you know, coming from the PC world, like, there are people that are insanely good at jump puzzles in first person. Um, like, you know, anyone that's, like, really good at Quake is probably really good at leaping across entire levels, like, just having a sense of where their feet are at, like, I mean, the the skill is there, people have already developed it a long time ago. Even Halo 3 has, like, a lot of custom maps people have made that are, like, just huge yeah, jump puzzles. That is true. And, yeah. I mean... And there are going to be some people who are just insanely good at this game. Um, because it's... They, they, they have speedrun achievements now, so... There are going to be some crazy videos on YouTube with people doing some shit. You're like, well, I would have never thought that you could do a triple somersault off of that pipe right there and land in that window, but fuck. <laughs> um, well, I guess it finally gives, you know, gymnasts and parkour guys the virtual recreation they've always wanted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you don't sound like this was an amazing game for you. Like, it was just okay. Well, I was more excited about it. Before I got to play it, then after. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm, I'm still going to get the game. Uh, probably not day one, but I'm, I'm still going to get it. It's it's fun enough for me to want to fuck around with. Alright, so this is like day two. It's <laughs> months two. This is, this is after my pocket recovers from all the cool shit that's coming out at the same time. Alright, so we move on from Mirror's Edge. And what are we uh, hitting up? I'm going to talk about Fallout. And I'm going to talk about Fallout in great length. <laughs> um, this it, It's a fucking amazing game. Uh, I it, it wasn't really on my radar before, uh, before PAX. Well, I, I take that. I knew the game was out there. I knew it was coming out. I knew it was the RPG set in this wasteland thing. Uh, it's from the people that created Oblivion, which I never played. Um, it's and you've never played any of the other Fallout yeah, either. This is my this this will be the first Fallout I own, day one. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I mean, even played, you've never even you know nothing about the Fallout. Absolutely games. nothing. Could not tell you a thing okay. about it uh, except Fallout Three is fucking awesome. Um. I went to the Fallout demo that they had in the main theater of PAX where they did the keynote and the Penny Arcade Q&A. So this is a big deal, like especially to them, super big deal. Um, and four of the developers were there basically doing a playthrough of the game. Um, it's sort of like Mass Effect where you create a character and you're in that world and you're exploring and everything and it has dialogue trees sort of similar to Mass Effect where you can be a complete asshole if you want to you can be you know uh, just compliment everything if you want to a lot of shit there not in the same way as where you pick you know what you sort of want to say and the game says it you basically read what you're gonna say and then you say it and the people respond back to you but you can just turn the subtitles off so you're not actually reading what the people are saying but there is reading involved, unfortunately. There's a lot of reading involved because you also have to level your guy up. But uh, you you are in uh, Vault 101. 
uh, you have to take a few tests before you actually get to play the game, which will determine your character's skill set and what abilities he starts with and what sort of what direction he's going to go, although that is mainly uh, decided by the way that you actually play the game. Um, it has way too much character customization in here than I can, than, than, than you need, seriously. You, in Mass Effect, you were sort of forced to make the badass version of yourself, but you can look like some regular guy in this game if you want to, or you can make yourself look like a total badass. I'm probably gonna go for total badass. Um, you come out... <laughs> What? You don't look like a total badass like I do? And all of my listeners? Shh. We're all badasses here at Game Face Radio. Didn't I you know that? I the memo. <laughs> That's right. It's a badass anime video game podcast. Bonified badass. You okay. know it. Um, so you come out of the vault, and this is in the future. Nuclear war shit has happened. Radiation everywhere. Shit is fucked up. Um, there are also, like, robots and stuff that float around. Um, in the demo, he was showing us, um, you, you basically, you have to walk pretty much everywhere until you know where a place is. Like, you walk to a town, and then the town appears on your map, and then later, if you're in the wasteland and you want to go to that town, you can either walk to it or you can fast travel to it. But you have to actually find where this place is through walking around in the wasteland to be able to fast travel to it. And the graphics of this game are insane. The guy doing the demo for it said, and I quote, We decided to set the draw distance of this game to all the fucking way. And if you've ever walked around the Midwest countryside seeing the Grand Canyon some big fucking wide open space and it's like it goes on forever and ever this game does that <laughs> that you so it gives you like a real sense of like lonely wandering the plains yeah. remember when you were in Vegas and you were walking to the Caesars Palace and you said it kept getting bigger as you were going to it there is there is Indeed. a city in this game where there's a giant hotel far off in the distance and it keeps getting bigger as you get to it and it takes about I think the guy said it takes like a good half hour of gameplay of actually walking through the wasteland to get to this place I don't know if that's something I actually want. <laughs> like, well, I kind of want my game to just put me there if I want to get so there. You say that now, but you walk through the wasteland and there are wasteland people and people trying to, you know, steal your shit and hurt you and do all other things to you and gigantic sewer rats and shit like that. And you have to, to fight them with the combat system and you can either fight them in real real time first person shooter aspect you can fight them third person shooter it does both works both ways um or you can use the vat system which um it's 
it's a it's a secondary combat system which is really cool it it basically pauses the game for a second um, and takes it into more of an RPG uh, mode where you choose where on the body you want to shoot or hit your opponent uh, say I get jumped by three guys I go into VATS, which is very easy. You just hit the B button, the menu pops up. Um, and I see the guy who is closest to me. I say, okay, I want to shoot this guy in the head. Everywhere on this guy's body, he has a percentage number next to it. Like headshot will be like 77% chance of hitting. Leg shot will be like a 92% chance. Arm shot will be like a 84% chance. Shoot the weapon out of his hand, that's like a 32% chance. So I'm like, okay, I want to shoot this guy in the head and try to kill him there. I want to shoot this guy who's a little further back from him in the leg to slow him down. If you shoot somebody in the leg, they will sort of hobble and limp on trying to get close to you to kill you. And I want to shoot this other guy back here in the leg and hopefully I hit him. It's only got a 32% chance, but if I hit him, good, because that's going to slow everybody down. So you select where you want to shoot at. You have a certain amount of points um, that dictate how many shots you get. And it, re it, uh, it basically has to, uh, uh, it has a time limit to where you, you can't just keep on hopping back and forth in the vats the whole time. It has to recharge. Um, so you select where you want to shoot. You hit shoot. The game goes into this weird sort of slow motion bullet timey mode where it shows the bullets coming out of your gun and it shows where they're hitting on the body parts if you if you do right and you hit the guy in the leg you can actually break his shoot his leg off and he will be unable to run towards you he will either try to crawl towards you or he might just get fucking freaked out and run away <laughs> Well, yeah, I think if I shoot someone's leg off, they should kind of give up yeah. the chase. Well, actually, one really cool thing was uh, he got into a battle with, like, a bunch of these rebel guys in uh, this old abandoned store. And he was fucking kicking ass in there, shooting everybody. And he was trying to kill this other guy in this really cool way. And the guy saw what he did to one of his buddies and just fucking took off running. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. So the the AI in this game is pretty fucking good. It knows when it's about to get its ass kicked and reacts in the natural way, which is to get the fuck out. Well, that sounds a whole lot better than Left 4 Dead, at least for someone like me, because, I mean, that's what I want. I want intelligent guys. I want guys that are going to run and jump and and be concerned about yeah. my actions. Um, also, VATS works for melee weapons, so say you find a pool stick, and you're like, I want to beat this guy to death with a pool stick. You do that. You can go into VATS and say, I want to hit this guy in the head with the pool stick, and when you hit the trigger button, it will slow down, and it will show you trying to beat the guy to death with a pool stick. I don't advise you use pool sticks on giant fucking sewer rats. They have a hard exoskeleton, and you will most likely die. <laughs> of course. I mean, everyone knows that the greater North American radioactive sewer rat is pretty much immune to melee. I mean, it's in any encyclopedia. Yeah. 
Um, another thing about this game is when when you kill somebody or you come across a dead body corpse or something like that, uh, you look in their inventory, you can take whatever items they have, you can take clothing that they have, and if you do take clothing, when you exit the menu, that character now is no longer wearing that clothing. <laughs> like, you, you can basically strip somebody damn near completely naked and leave them sitting there by the wayside to rot. Um, oh great! That's just what we need—a virtual rape machine. I already see Fox News queuing it up. Uh, well, you saw what happened with Mass Effect, and Mass Effect is the game that I liken this to the most. Um, yeah, you can—you uh, can make your own weapons. Uh, for instance, he made a a gun out of parts used to make railroad pieces, and every time he shot somebody with it, it made like a steam sound it was <laughs> that's ridiculous ridiculously awesome exactly uh, another ridiculously awesome thing in the game um, and I'm going to tell every every single listener of Game Face Radio how to get 10 achievement points here so pay attention You have, there is a sneaking system in the game and you can sneak up to people and then pickpocket them and when you try to pickpocket somebody uh, a menu comes up, shows every single item that is in that person's inventory. So you can say, okay, well, I don't really give a fuck about this gun, but I want this ammo for this gun, and I want this, and I want that. And you have the option to insert something into their inventory. Now, why would you want to give some random person something that you work so fucking hard to get in your inventory? Um... So I can frame O.J. Simpson. Yeah, you can put you can put gloves that actually <laughs> fit into somebody's pocket. <laughs> uh, but it's much cooler to put a frag grenade in their pocket and then run away and watch them blow up. <laughs> and if you do this in the game, you get ten achievement points for all you achievement whores out there. But I can't really call you an achievement whore for doing it because it's fucking fun to do. You know, like, uh, I have, I think, maybe five, 6,000 achievement points. I'm not real sure. Yeah. Right? And, you know, I've had my Xbox for, I think, just under a year. Uh, so I looked at my friends list, and, you know, most of them are around the four, five, six thousands, except for two guys. <laughs> One of them has got, like, 16 or, or 25,000, and the other one has like 170,000 achievement points. Jesus, that's <laughs> like, a lot of Burger King games. Dude, <laughs> you must have played every shitty Fucking game team, possible Ninja to get that many points. Avatar. Oh, yeah. JoJo's Boxing Club. All of them. That's just on my friends list. Like he's not even like the greatest in the world at achievements. But I mean, it's a disease yeah. at that point. Um, <laughs> the you cool need thing help. Is uh, with Fallout, the guy knows achievements, and they they actually made shit that you won't feel guilty about trying to get. Um, other thing is, uh, there's a town in this game where. Uh, the people in the game, uh, in the game's world, they they all gathered around this unexploded nuclear bomb and started worshiping it. And a town 
basically developed out of these people's weird fucked up religion as they wanted to live next to an unexploded nuclear weapon. I don't fucking know. You have... <laughs> Planet of the Apes, actually. It's oh, a reference. I that's from. Haven't seen that in a while. Anyways, yep. uh, there's a character in this game who lives in the giant hotel that I was telling you about that keeps getting bigger as you get to it. And he does not like this town, and he knows how to explode that nuclear bomb. And you can uh, choose to work for this guy and explode the nuclear bomb. And that was the end of the demo that he showed us, and that was one fuck of an explosion. <laughs> uh, so if if you want to kill a shitload of people, uh, buy Fallout 3. <laughs> You know, Zeta would be so disapproving right now. <laughs> why would I want to hurt a lot of people? Why would, Why don't I just want to, like, because make them a car or something? Because it's fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> because it's fucking fun. How many games let you set off a nuclear weapon that kills a shitload of people that doesn't involve fucking World War II? <laughs> I don't think there are many World War II games where you actually get to nuke Japan. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I, can't you think of a to, single yeah. one. But then again, I guess I haven't to, played enough you get of them. to nuke a bunch of imaginary people. <laughs> um, the thing is, like, if you don't nuke the town, it's actually easier to go through the game because people in that town can help you out. But if you just want to say fuck them, you can still go through the game and the story will adjust and it'll be like, well, now that town is gone. Um... Yeah. Nice. So, Fallout Three, yeah. definite and thumbs I up. Is there any other like real noteworthy game up ahead? Any, anything else really good that um, we've seen? Yeah, actually, uh, another demo that I saw, I saw it the same day, um, was uh, Far Cry Two, and. For those of you who played the Far Cry 1, they've pretty much made every developer of first-person shooter games realize that it's fun to kill people in a tropical setting. <laughs> um, this one takes place in Africa, and it's 360-degree combat all the way. If you rush into some place, you will die. You will die often. Fallout 3 is fucking hard. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what I wrote when I was reviewing shit that I was writing uh, about seeing at PAX. Um, the guy demoing the game died often and he was like, this is fucking embarrassing. I can't believe I'm dying this much, but this game is fucking hard. Um, it's You are a mercenary in Africa and different kings or mercenaries or rebels sort of hire you to perform certain covert operations for instance there might be a guy who wants to take down somebody else's tribe and become the leader of that tribe and the story also adjusts to who you have killed and who is now ruling that particular tribe of people um, for instance if you take out a military commander that commander is then replaced by his lieutenant and every time you load a save game the game uh, has writing at the bottom of the screen it says okay this person is in charge of this now and this person is in charge of this because you killed the people that used to be in charge of those and that will also 
alter your alliances with other people. Um, the thing that really sold the game to me, um, it's not day one purchase by the way, but the thing that sold it to me was the, the map editor. Um, you can make very cool shit in this game and make it playable. I have never had a desire to make a level for people to download and play on their system, but I sort of want to with this just because it's so fucking fun. Um, for instance, with the map, you start out with uh, a map that's like 500 and something meters by 500 and something meters, big square, and say you want a mountain you take out the mountain tool and it basically bumps up the certain areas of the map and once you do that it makes like this big circle looking thing that doesn't look like a mountain because you have to erode it so you take out your erosion tool and you say okay everything on this map I want to erode that is five meters or higher and you draw that across the map and everything that's above five meters changes and everything that is not stays the same so you're not accidentally scribbling over something that you wanted to be there and having to re-edit that um, then say you want to put the jungle in there well you just go into the menu and find jungle terrain and it gives you this big circle circular looking Thing and you just draw jungle terrain across the map. It populates trees and vines and grass and other shit in there for you. And it also populates jungle sounds. So when you actually drop into the map, you hear monkeys and parrots and birds and shit like that all around you. And the very cool thing about it is at any time while you're constructing the level, the game engine is running behind it so you can drop into the level at any time and explore what you just created and then drop back out and add shit or take shit out. Uh, you can also make rivers where you basically just make you make the terrain uh, uh, go, go down instead of up like you were making a mountain and just draw a trench across whatever section of the map and then you can flood the map you can flood the entire map and have the whole thing be water or you can just flood it enough so that it fills up the part that you want to have a river there you can drop in buildings and you can drop in vehicles and things like that you can adjust the weather settings and if you have like the the weather going just balls to the wall out um the wind will actually blow tree branches and stuff that you shoot off like I'll shoot tree branches and they will fall off of the tree and they will blow in the direction that the wind's blowing. It's uh it's it's a crazy amount of customization that <laughs> Yeah, like like most things of this nature, it'll probably come down to like, you know, I'll mess with it for five, ten minutes or whatever, and then like I'll just let someone that really wants to waste all their life doing it for me do it, and I'll download yeah, his see. level and enjoy it. So I'm hoping that option is going to be available on the 360 yeah, they, for uh, free. They were demoing it on 360, and it will be available. Um, but what you said about I just want to drop in and fuck with it for 10 minutes or something like that, in 10 minutes, this guy made a map I wanted to play. <laughs> You can, it, it takes no time at all. Literally, I can, I could turn on my 360 right now, 
boot up Far Cry 2, hop in the level, level editor, and in 15 minutes total time from turning on my Xbox, I could have a map that is actually fun to play. It takes no time whatsoever to do. And... Listen, I'm just hoping they make it easy to get the ones that are good. Yeah. That's my that's my concern with that sort of thing. Although I will say I don't like custom Halo maps at all. Like I, if I'm gonna play Halo, I just want to play like what the devs have made because they're the best. So I mean, I'm I'm certainly willing to give it a shot. I actually bought Far Cry Instincts Predator for the 360 for seven <laughs> bucks. <laughs> so it's still in the shrink. I'm gonna open it up here someday and play through it, and then I'll get me pumped for the second yeah, well, one, I guess. it should be seven bucks by the time you get around to it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so much other good stuff coming out. I mean, I can't imagine I'm going to be chomping at the bit to get my hands on Far Cry. Um, Alright, so, you know, we've covered a, a shit ton of games here. Is there anything, like, non-game related that was, um... Uh, particularly interesting or really made made the show uh, for you yeah well one just being there and seeing like a lot of game journalists just walking around out in the wild was like hey that's david ellis from one up i'm gonna go say hi or seeing like brian Antahar, who used to be with one up doing demos for resistance you're like wow i know this guy's whole story um panels i went to uh, like i said i went to one up yours live that was completely awesome you should go download it right now there's a lot of fun had during that um i went to giant bomb reunion tour where uh if you don't know the story of jeff gersman getting fired from GameStop or not GameStop, GameSpot, and he basically uh made a new website called giantbomb.com it's a great website um and they also have a podcast uh for the giant bomb site which is on the same level as one up yours and games for windows which i hope everybody is listening to as well as this podcast um i saw the sex violence and video games panel which i mentioned and um what else? There was some other panel I went to that is not memorable because I can't remember it right now. But a lot of stuff for it's it's basically for gamers. If if you are interested in any aspect of video gaming, like I sat in on some guy's PowerPoint presentation of how to work for a, a game developer and not lose your mind. There is some stuff there for for you. Um. Yeah, I've always, uh, like, you know, as, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. I am an IT manager, like, for a living. So, you know, when I move out to Seattle, there's a whole lot of game companies out there. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility that I could be on, like, regular old IT staff at a game developer. But I don't think I'd ever actually want to do game design. <laughs> it sounds like a whole lot yeah. of pressure. And uh, I don't think the pay is all that great compared to other things that put that much pressure yeah, on Yeah, it's, it's definitely for true believers and people who don't mind working 80-hour weeks every week and having very minimal time off and then having people say their game sucks. Because <laughs> um, that's pretty much what it is. And, yeah, 
and that's yeah. Saturday. <laughs> I'm sure the guy that made Wii Music is like not very happy to hear everyone be like, "What a joke!" No, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter what people say about Wii Music. That game's gonna sell five million copies, dude. That game, you're, you're not gonna be able to find that game on shelves when it comes out. I guarantee it. But fortunately, <laughs> hey. uh... Aren't you one of the fools that bought Wii Fit? Why you gotta be bringing up old shit? <laughs> you got tricked. I learned before. my lesson. Wii Fit, Wii Fit just brought it home. It's you. You can't trust Nintendo and their broken promises. Uh, it's <laughs> man. It's oh. Uh, I had I had a long conversation about this shit. With this guy who works for Nintendo uh, and Shane Bittenhausen at uh, GameWorks that Saturday night, um, there was the there was the over twenty one meetup with the one up people. So like Shane Bittenhausen, Garnett Lee, uh, John Davison, David Ellis, Matt Chandrelay, a uh, bunch of them were all there at GameWorks, just you know completely kicking it. You know, we were talking about this fucking crazy games and, you know, shit all night long and just a completely laid back sort of thing. Uh, one of the, uh, probably the single best experience I had at PAX was going to GameWorks that night and just conversating and bullshitting with the one-up people. And they were very much interested in, you know, what we thought was the game of the show and what we thought was worth playing. You know, more so than them trying to say, oh, you need to play this game, you need to play this game, this game's good, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they recommended some good shit. Like, David Ellis recommended that I go play Ninja Town. So, that Sunday, I went and I played Ninja Town, and I'm fucking buying Ninja Town day one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> You're about to be a broke motherfucker. I, this year, this year for games is like last year for games. There's nothing but good shit coming out. There. All right, so what's Ninja uh, Town? Ninja Town is sort of like a desktop defense game. It's on DS. Uh, it's by uh, it's by a very very small development team, and. It's uh, basically you're in a town that is populated by ninjas. And there are these crazy orange looking blob big motherfucking things coming into your town trying to wreak havoc. And you're like, fuck that, we're ninjas. So you set up different, uh, different little bases with ninjas who attack these things and... They come in in different waves, just like pixel jump monsters and desktop tower defense and everything. And um, you hopefully fortify your town correctly so that you beat all the waves and you win. Um, it's on the DS, like I said. And the reason why I want to buy this game is because I know I will spend five hours playing it going, what the fuck just happened to my time? Um, you can just drop in and drop out. I drive in my car a lot for work, and a lot of times I got a bunch of free time on my hands. And I can just totally flip on the DS, play some Ninja Town. 20 minutes later, okay, well, I gotta go and meet this person to do this now. So put the DS down, finish up with that, pull the DS back up. You know, it's not, it's not like Castlevania where 
you're trying to get drawn into the story or some other really heavy story based games. It's <laughs> Yeah, the story uh, of Castlevania. And there's a castle <laughs> kill everything. Yeah, well forever. Okay, you know how you can get completely you you just try to fucking get through the level, all you want to do is get through the level, whatever. You know, with this game you're like, Alright, I gotta go, close it, go do what you gotta do. Open it back up, play it some more, or take it home and play the fuck out of it, cause it's it's pretty fun and it's ninjas, dude, ninjas, ninja fucking town. Seriously, there's it's a town of ninjas. How can you get anything cooler than a town of ninjas? <laughs> I don't know. Naruto's a town of ninjas, and there are things that are cooler um. than that. <laughs> you know. It, Ninja kind of loses his mastery when Ninja settles down. Ninja buys a house. Ninja there's, has two car garage. Ninja has two point three. There's children. also baby ninjas <laughs> in the game, and the baby ninja is so cute that it slows down and stops the orange guys from attacking due to its sheer fucking cuteness. <laughs> ninja cuteness. Nice. But. Yeah, one game they had there that does involve ninjas and pirates and zombies sucks. <laughs> and that game is called Pirates vs. Ninjas Dodgeball. I think we all knew that was going to suck. Any game that tries to cash in on a meme from a site from 10 years ago is in no way going to be fantastic. I saw the trailer for this game and I was like, uh, well maybe and i walked by the gamecock booth that had it playing there um and i played it while i was waiting to play legendary and it uh it sucked it i was hoping it would at least be on the same level as uh that mario soccer game but it's not on that level it you know, I guess when it's called Gamecock Studios, you kind of know what you're in for. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I did manage to play Legendary. Um, it's running on Unreal Engine 3, but it's running on some broke-ass version of that engine. <laughs> it, I don't know. I've seen Unreal Engine 3 games look a lot better than this game looks. Um, it's... It's pretty much just your standard first-person shooter. It looks like a first-person shooter that has fucking griffins and other weird mythological creatures that you can kill. Um, and werewolves. Uh, werewolves are actually sort of fun to fight, and if you don't, uh, if you don't shoot their head off, they keep coming back to life. Um, that's cool feature. Werewolves that don't die unless you shoot them in the head. Several times. Ugh, sounds weak. Um, the weak. one cool sort of innovative thing that they did, um, which I sort of liked, but I like the way other games do something uh, that involves health better, is you have to collect this sort of glowing substance uh, in the hand that got infected by Pandora's box. Um, I don't know, I didn't mention the story here, but you you play a thief that... Uh, gets told to go to this museum and steal something out of this box and you have to open the box to actually steal something out of it and it turns out he just got paid to open Pandora's box and fuck over the whole world. Um, you collect this stuff into your hand and you can use that to sort of force push people back and stun them 
or you can use that power to heal yourself so if you're low on health you can just sort of hold down the Y button and that will recharge your health gauge um, that was kinda cool but at the same time I like games like Halo and Uncharted which just sort of recharge your life anyway better <laughs> um, I don't like having to run around and try to find health packs if I get my ass handed to me so be it but I hate health pack hunting well, at the same time, though, like, I think the developers see it as a chance for drama. As, like, oh, shit, I'm walking into this fight. I've only got this much health left. Like, am I going to be able to pull this off? And, like, you know, I can't even get hit once. I'm going to have to pull this off. Like, I think they kind of look at that kind of drama. But the problem is is they have no way of knowing how much health you're going to have when you get into fights. So they have to put, like, health packs right in front of the fights to make sure that you have full health against all bosses. And then it's like, okay, well, you've given an artificial indicator when the boss is, and you might as well just have them recharge anyway then, if you're going to do it like that. So, in theory, I see why they want to do it, but in practice, it's the limits of game design still allow it. Yeah, that, uh, that game's got some limits. <laughs> um, uh. Alright, we are, we are, I think, running up on the, the two-hour mark here. So I think oh, we're gonna no, 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 wrap no, no, no. it up. I, I still gotta covered... talk about Little Big Planet, goddammit. Oh, God. <laughs> Little, Little Big, Big Planet, Planet huh? yes. The reason to own a PS3 if you don't have one already, because there's fun shit in there. Um, I got to I got to play it hands on. Uh, I got to create a custom Sackboy. Uh, Sackboy is fun as hell, and you, it's. It's got everything that you have ever loved from like Mario. It it's got that same feeling. Like the whole time you're playing it, it's like it, you just have this uncontrollable urge to like it. I don't. It's 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 fucking fun. Um, it's just full of subliminal images, <laughs> like flashing everyone in sixty frames is like love me. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the shit that like they warn the kids about in Japan. Um, it it's basically a, a bunch of levels, a bunch of crazy zany little levels that you can play with up to four people. Um, and you know it's it's like Mario style stuff. It's like platforming stuff. It's making stuff. Uh, the level editor is crazy. Uh, there's 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 a ton of stuff you can make in this game. You can make big epic 3D levels where you have to jump from one plane to another, and you've got all kinds of craziness going on there. You can make tiny itty bitty levels. Like one level I played was. You're just on this sort of trampoline uh, floor structure thing. And there are these crystals that are scrolling from the top of the screen. And you just have to try to get as many crystals as you possibly can. Um, and not die on the flamey crystals that end up killing you. And that was fun as hell to play. But then there's the level where you have to help your friends move these blocks over so that you can jump over these hurdles and then you have to pin the tail on this donkey so that this next part of the level opens up and then you ride the donkey down this gigantic slope and it jumps up in the air and you can depending on the way that you're holding it you can make it fall over or you can try to make it land safely and to 
to uh, to make a, a a level in the game where it's a race, all you have to do is drop in a start line, drop in a finish line, and you can leave it there. You can put crazy little obstacles in front of you, which I would recommend because who the fuck just wants to run straight across the screen and be like finish. Um, and the cool thing is, if you drop in a scoreboard, it automatically gets uploaded to PSN and you can have leaderboards on that level. That's all you need is a start, a finish, and a scoreboard. Um, the level that Shane Wittenhausen and David Ellis are creating for it, um, you can see it in the, the new issue at EGM. They, they said that they are trying to get it uh, available for launch day on it and uh, day one. Uh, day, day one. one. <laughs> it should day be called one. day one the level. So, alright, Little Big Planet, you know, I think we've all at least heard of it in passing. You know, the the thing that's going to be interesting to me is if Little Big Planet has legs. Because, I mean, 2D platforming, 3D, like, man. to stay fun and, and keep me coming back to it. Well, uh, 3D, 2D, you know. Like, it's not like Mario 64 where you actually rotate the camera around, right? Like, that's okay, 3D platforming. It's not true 3D. Okay. But, so I mean, right. everybody I talked to at PAX that played this game that didn't have a PS3 were like, "I want a PS3 now." And right, but here's the here's the thing. I, I do not doubt the initial splash power of Little Big Planet. What is going to be intriguing to me is does this game have any legs? Because the gameplay is essentially really shallow. I mean, you you're not playing like. A game where you can put any move you want on your sack boy, right? Like, you can't give him ninja flips or lasers or, like, whatever you feel like. You're limited to the fact that he just jumps. Uh, he can. You can give him a sword, um, and you can actually move your arms and stuff like that. You can attack people. Um, in fact, like, as soon as the demo person told us how to attack each other, that's all we did was fucking run around and hit each other. <laughs> um... You can. There's gonna be downloadable stuff for it all the time. Um, they're gonna give you new ways to customize Sackboy. Sack You're probably not gonna be able to do ninja backflips or shoot lasers out of your eyes, but there is gonna be some stuff that you can do that you wouldn't, that you weren't able to do on launch day. <laughs> Look for Mountain Dew colored <laughs> Sackboy to hit. Uh, there is a one Kratos. month after release. <laughs> you can play them as Kratos. No, 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 I'm talking Mountain Dew and Doritos and whoever else Sony can try to recoup development costs from. Yeah, there's that too, and believe me, I I talked to uh, to Shane Vintnausen and David Ellis about this game uh, that, that Saturday at GameWorks, me and a bunch of other guys, and they're like, you know what, everybody in the office of 1UP plays the game. They were like, what the fuck, blah, 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 little big planet, oh shit, this is fun, wait, wait, this is really fun. Sort of, sort of in the same vein as Boom Blocks, which didn't sell a shit ton of copies, but is now has now sold a shit ton of copies. It's just been slow, and I think that Little Big Planet is gonna be a slow burn. Um, as soon as more people see it, get their hands on it, and play it, and everything, I think that it's really, really gonna get a lot of people to get PS3s and play this game non-stop. 
See, what I'm worried about, as most people should worry, I worry it's like another Wii Sports, where it's going to be like, oh, this is the hotness, this is the shit, and then like, you know, three months later, like, it's just going to sit there. Like, you're not going to want to mess with it anymore. Like, you're done. So, it's really going to be on the developers to see if they can keep coming up with compelling reasons to come back. That's what I'm I'm kind of curious to see. I will not be buying it on day one, or day 50, or probably even day 100. Uh, what what day are you planning on getting the PS3, by the way? <laughs> exactly. It's like, do I really need another super fucking expensive box to sit under my television? Not really. I kind of picked one. And, it, and, like, my roommate bought the Wii, so... Like, I didn't even want that. <laughs> uh, I'll, um, I'll give you the Wii. That, uh, I sort of regret that purchase, but uh, I don't regret my PS3 one bit. <laughs> well, you're an adamant guy. You're a day oneer. A lot of us out there, though, you know, we have a very small budget with which we devote to this kind of thing, so having all the systems and all the games is not an option. Like I said, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to see if Little Big Planet holds up three or four months later, like, you know, if the buzz from the people I know that have bought the game, they're still talking about, oh, I was doing this yesterday. But if it's like we, where, you know, there was the initial buzz when everyone got it, and then, like, a month later, no one talked about it, like, I could tell when people aren't playing stuff, you know? Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of wait and see what what things are like. I know the initial splash is going to be huge. It's going to be in my face everywhere. Everyone on my, you know... On my email list is probably going to be playing it or something, but I'm curious about the tale because that's all I really want. I want value. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll just wait until the PS drops some more. Maybe buy a used one off eBay for cheap or something. Yeah. One thing. Uh, one thing that Shane did say, and I completely see his point on this, especially now, is they should really load every new PS3 sold with the game on it. That way, everybody has it. And it's something that is constantly changing and it's, you know, customizable and you can make anything in it. And that would just be really cool to be able to turn on your PS3, you know, two, three months or a year ago and still know that you can go into this game and play something new. But everybody, one, has to have it. I think everybody who has a PS3 is probably going to get it. It's probably going to have a freaking ludicrous attachment rate. And with that... People are going to make some shit. There's always people out there that are going to make shit constantly. Uh, I don't think the attach rate's going to be that great. I'm going to predict, like, you know... I mean, there aren't that many PS3s out in the world to begin with. I think there's something like 3 million. But I think that the look of Little Big Planet and the concept is going to turn off a lot of people immediately. Like, that's not going to rain in the Madden crowd... It's not going to bring in, like, the Metal Gear Solid crowd. It's not going to bring in, like, you know, these dudes that, like, Metal want... Metal Gear Solid sack boy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if it doesn't have a giant, bald space marine with huge guns on the cover, like, it's going to be a tough sell in the U.S. Like, it is hard to get quirky games to sell, you know? So, I, I don't know how well it's really going to move units for uh, for Sony, but, you know... Good luck, and, you know, if it's awesome enough, like, I might eventually pick it up, but it's definitely not in my plans just because 
it's Mario. I mean, how how long can I continue to play Mario? Uh, Sue. So, on that note, on, on that note, game of the show. What wins? My game of the show. Uh, I struggled with it for a while, but I'm going to give it to Fallout. I was very so impressed. With the, Fallout. the Fallout, the third game in a series that you haven't played. For RPGs, which you're not really a big RPG gamer. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be really something special. I beat Mass Effect fucking in like four days. I played that shit nonstop. <laughs> what's What's the last, I don't know, like Final Fantasy you played? Uh, I played Final Fantasy IX and stopped like a quarter of the way in a disc two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, no, disc one. Quite a long time ago. One. That's quite a while ago. Uh, but so you haven't you haven't been that into okay, RPGs. Well, well, one you play a Japanese RPG. All you got all you fucking do is walk around and fucking fight people and try to level up so you can go fight the next level of bosses. Speaking of Japanese RPGs, I played Tales of Vesperia, which it's cool because the fighting happens in real time, but at the same time. Fucking walking around the goddamn forest, running into enemies all the time, so you can level up. I mean, at some point. Yeah, it sounds much cooler to walk across the desolate wasteland, running into enemies all the time, so you can get to a hotel. Uh-oh. The thing is, though, there's <laughs> shit happening and progressing the story the entire time, and you only have to walk the wasteland just to find a new area. Once you know where shit is and shit keeps on happening in these places, you can just pull up the menu and say. I want to go here, and you hit OK, and then the next thing is you're there. You don't have to walk anymore once you find where some place. Yeah, but I mean, even look at a game like Mass Effect. There is certainly a lot of like directionless walking around that doesn't really further anything, and there's like tons of planets that have nothing on them other than items. And I explored (laughs) every single one of those planets. I also did. I completioned Mass Effect 100%, but. You know, I can see the flaws. So, um, alright, so your game of the show, Fallout 3. That's a big commitment from a guy that doesn't have a track record of being super into RPGs or Fallout. So that, I guess that means something. That's a significant pick. Alright, what's the worst game of the show? (laughs) Um... I would say Pirates vs. Ninjas Dodgeball. No, oh, I was hoping um, it would be Wii Music. <laughs> well, I didn't actually play Wii Music. I just saw how bad it looked and realized I shouldn't play it. Um, Isn't that worse, though? <laughs> Pirates well, vs. Ninja Dodgeball didn't actually push you away from even picking up the controller. Okay, the, the thing about it is, I know... I will be able to get some fun out of playing Wii Music. I mean, looking at people fucking air drumming with the Wiimote in one hand and Nunchuck in the other hand, and they got a balance board on the floor, and looking at like a real drum set on the TV, yeah, that's probably not fun, especially by yourself. But if there were three other people who were playing on the Wii at the same time, I could have fun with that. And you were all drunk? (laughs) Especially if we were drunk. (laughs) I think that's what Wii Music is. It's like drunken karaoke the game. Yeah, but 
even with three other people, Pirates versus Ninjas Dodgeball still fucking sucks, dude. <laughs> so, alright. Uh, sure. Winner, Fallout 3. Loser, Gamecock Studios and Pirates vs. Ninjas Dodgeball. By the way, did you actually ever see, uh, like, Taiko or Gabe outside of, like, a giant panel? Yeah, you want to know where I saw Taiko? Left for Dead. Nice. Yeah, Left for Dead uh, is my runner-up, by the way. <laughs> I'm I'm going to assume that you didn't make it over to the board game building. Which makes me a little sad, because that half actually, you know, intrigues me, and at least some of our listeners. I walked past it, and I took uh, some pictures of it in the morning. Uh, <laughs> I don't play board games. Or you will. Games. You will. I mean, come Can't on. Make me. You got Ticket for Ride. You got Carcassonne. You got Catan. Like all these hardcore board games are on the 360. Like I, I have Carcassonne. There you go. Uh, it was free. I, yeah. I would not have paid for it. But I, hey, if they if they put Monopoly out, I'll play that shit all day. <laughs> I'm waiting for Clue personally. <laughs> yeah, Monopoly, Clue, Life, Risk. Uh, Mousetrap. Mousetrap would actually be pretty cool. Like, Dude, Mousetrap cool is stuff. actually the worst game ever. Like, if you're not putting together the toy, like, it's not fun at all. <laughs> it's a crappy game. Uh, I can't believe you want 360 Mousetrap. It just invalidates everything you've said for the last two hours. Maybe they'll make some... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll make something cool where you set the trap up and then get to see it happen in the 3D world. Yeah, it, I like I like the physicality. I like to actually assemble things like that. So, all right, there you go. That's the PAX 2008 roundup. I'd like to thank you all for stopping by and listening for the last two hours. Most, I mean, not not myself so much as listening to guest host Nodos. Uh, if you like the app, please stop by at GameFaceRadio.com. Leave some comments to, uh, you know, myself or Nodos or anything you want to say. Um, also, you can hit us up on iTunes as always and let us know what you think of everything. And if you were at PAX, make sure you, uh, let, you know, hit us up, send us some pictures, whatever. For Game Face Radio Alpha, I am Croy Kaze. I am Nodos. And we are out. Yeah.